Hello, and welcome to the Remaking Your Mind podcast, a place where we deep dive into how reclaiming the narrative that plays in your mind through making small adjustments in the way you think can vastly improve your quality of life. I'm Camille, your host, and today we'll be discussing the power of choice. Um, The reason I chose this topic is because I feel like it is kind of a little bit more complicated than originally meets the eye. I think that Um, it's pretty easy for us to be like, okay, like, I get it, like, if I make better choices, I'll have a better life, and just kind of have this sort of dismissive attitude towards how complicated choices really are, Um, and so I wanted to kind of go into some of the mechanics of choice, some of the psychology of choice, and hopefully um, in talking about this, I can kind of help you recognize and identify that it is more difficult and it is more complicated than we kind of give it credit for, but it's also incredibly powerful, and we can really um, empower ourselves, and we can really foster joy and do all these incredible things through kind of reclaiming our willingness and ability to make choices. Um, So the first thing I'm going to discuss is the fact that there is two types of choices. Um, So there is what I kind of call, which maybe it's not the technical term, but passive choice. Um, And then there's active choices, right? Like very conscious choices. And so uh, this particular episode is going to be really focused on passive choices, um, what they are, um, why they exist, what they do, and just kind of how we can sort of um, reclaim some responsibility around those things. So passive choices are your automatic responses, right? Kind of like your default settings. They're just your natural rhythms in life. And it's just kind of things that you do kind of quote unquote without thinking, you know, it's just kind of just normal to you. Um, and it's how you react to life. So why do those kind of choices exist? Well, they exist because making choices takes energy. And so a lot of times we want to kind of reduce how much energy we're committing to any given thing in order to be more productive, more efficient, more this, more that. And so because making choices takes energy, the more kind of things that you can make a passive choice, the more kind of things you can make an automatic choice, there's kind of the assumption that that will make life easier or more efficient, which can be true, but it can also not be true. And so um, the other thing is that you know, passive choices exist because we want to avoid burnout, we want to avoid fatigue, we want to avoid not, we don't want to waste, we don't want to waste, and so um, those are pretty common kind of sentiments um, among people. And the other reason that passive choices exist, kind of these automatic, you know, responses, these default settings, is because they're grounded in what has worked in the past, right? Something doesn't become an automatic choice because it made your life harder. It didn't become an automatic choice because, you know, it was it was difficult. It became an automatic choice because it worked. At some point, it worked. At some point in your life, you learned, this is how I accomplish this thing, and this is how I accomplish it well. So it's kind of grounded in a previous experience, um, 
oftentimes it's grounded in kind of the way you were raised and how your family operated or how your community operated or just whatever you're exposed to on a regular basis you learn to respond and react and kind of exist and move in in certain ways um, that were effective at that time in that environment um, they're also grounded in subconscious beliefs and when you believe something to be true your kind of default response default setting will be grounded in what you think is true and the other reason is that sometimes not always but sometimes we just kind of we lack energy we lack motivation um we lack care or we lack like a willingness um to have one more thing on our plate to handle mentally, right? We already have enough to think about. We already have enough to deal with and we don't want to add that one more thing. So kind of like I touched on, choices have an immediate cost and that cost is energy. So it's a commodity. And the secondary cost to choices is time. Any choice you make is taking the place of another choice that you could have made. And so you know, whatever you're committing to, committing your time to, you're choosing that above what else, what other things that could have been in that place. Um, and then, you know, the other kind of the third component to choices is the fact that there's, mo there's a multitude of byproducts. And so I kind of like talked on that, touched on that just a second ago. Um, but basically, Every choice you make takes up space, it takes up time, it takes up energy, and that has results. It has um, benefits, it has consequences, it has byproducts. And so every choice you make, it impacts your life and it impacts your relationships. So this, when I say all of this, it can make it sound kind of daunting. It can make it sound kind of overwhelming. And I'm not trying to make you feel like you have to be super deliberate about every single little thing you do. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I think that passive choices, right, these kind of automatic responses, they are oftentimes really good. They're really easy. They make your life smoother. There's a lot, a lot of benefits to having parts of your life operate in that way. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm talking about the mechanics of it so that you can identify, okay, this thing, this way of operating actually is quite useful, but I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that fosters joy, that fosters health, that fosters intimacy in your life, that really benefits you because not all automatic responses are going to have positive effects. So that's kind of why I'm bringing this to the forefront of the discussion because it's not about eliminating um, passive choices, it's about tailoring them to your needs. It's about kind of reclaiming a level of control and a level of personal accountability because at the end of the day, the only thing we can control is ourself. And a lot of times though, because we get in routines, because life is stressful, because you have so many responsibilities, because life is life, because quarantine, you can kind of lose sight of that, that like your choices are yours to make and are yours to adapt and are yours to, you know, kind of shift and make malleable to your needs. Um, and that includes 
choices that kind of fall into this category of a more passive choice. So, why I bring this all up is because you have the capacity to minimize unimportant choices, both in quantity and complexity, in order to maximize room for important choices. And the more you claim responsibility and control over your choices, the more content you're going to be with how you spend your time. I mean, your life is kind of measured in in time, and so time becomes extremely valuable. And it's amazing how easy it is to, you know, quote-unquote waste time or lose time or, you know, all these kinds of things. And so I just want to talk to you about how we're going to use the fact that having passive um, choices in your life is definitely very natural, but then kind of cater it to living a more fulfilling and enriching life. Um, So, minimizing unimportant choices. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, like I said, choices take energy. And so a lot of times, without even realizing it, we are wasting our energy on choices that don't actually matter all that much. Things like, um, you know, I don't know what pair of socks you're going to wear or what sweatshirt you're going to put on or, you know, it's totally like a a personality thing, like what you're going to have for breakfast. Like there's like you make choices on a constant basis all day long you're kind of operating under the choice making (laughs) mindset and you're shifting between passive and active choices dependent on what you feel like is important or necessary depending on whether you're at work or at home depending on who you're around blah 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 blah, right like all these things kind of impact it but there's a lot of choices that without even realizing it we're kind of over complicating our life And so minimizing those can be very, very helpful because then it allows you to maximize in other areas because time is a precious commodity and time is limited and so is energy. We only have so much energy in the day. So some ideas for minimizing unimportant choices. Uh, Like I said, it's a personality thing, but it can be as simple as just creating the most basic of habits and routines. Um, Habits can be kind of a double-edged sword. Like, some habits, like, especially if they're kind of created deliberately, are, like, really helpful, really powerful, can just make your life a hell of a lot easier, and other habits are kind of created through default, through passive choice, and some of those habits can be kind of self-destructive or just a waste of time or can get in the way of having quality relationships or can distract you from things that you know are important, but because time is limited, you're not spending your time on those important things. You're, you end up spending it on those passive things. And so, anyways, ideas for minimizing unimportant unimportant choices. So one of those, just just an example from my kind of personality, is like the types of clothes I'm wearing. 
Some people are like total fashionistas, they get a lot of joy out of having a wide variety and mixing and matching and kind of like, they have a joy in their wardrobe and that is awesome. If you're one of those people, like, obviously this example is not for you, um, but I personally am not one of those people. I, you know, like, I want to look, you know, like, okay, I want to look cute or whatever, I am a girl after all, but I don't really care about having an excessive amount of choices. I don't really care about being fancy. Like, I want stuff that makes me feel pretty, makes me feel cute, and makes me feel comfortable. If those need- needs are being met, like, that's it. That's that's as far as my level of care goes. And so, one of the things that I do to kind of help myself minimize the amount of choices I have to make in a day is I buy the same type of shirts. I buy the same type of dresses. I buy the same type of leggings. Um, Even if I want variety, okay, I buy different colors of the same type of pants, right? And so the reason I do that, um, and I even also, another thing that I do is I kind of stick to a certain spectrum of colors. So yes, there is color in my wardrobe, but they're the kind of colors that I can grab and go, and more likely than not, they'll work together. So, you know, I tend to stick to personally like earth tones or like, um, you know, I have a lot of black, a lot of grays. Um, I have a lot of like maroon and like wine red and, but like colors that even if I were to mix them together, just like I, you know, I need this right now to just be done. Like chances are it'll look normal. It won't look like it's clashing. And so that's just one of my methods of like, you know, buying the same types of clothes, just a lot of different colors or, you know, different copies of even the exact same thing and kind of making sure that the colors that I'm wearing fit within a range that I enjoy. Just that simple process eliminates a lot of the mental energy that it takes to get ready in the morning. So that's kind of one example. Another example is you're just going to learn a lot about my weirdness in this particular episode, but I'm just giving examples so that I can help you. I have places for things that I use every day. Like, you know, whether it's my keys or my sweatshirt or my purse or, you know, my jewelry, I have set places in my room where every time I'm not using that thing, that's where that thing goes. And so it's there without fail. And having that very simple habit of this is where my jewelry goes, this is where my purse goes, this is where my sweatshirt goes, creating that habit, it's like, it's just automatic, right? So automatically, I always put it there, automatically, I always know that it's always there, so it eliminates a lot of the mental energy. I'm not running around the house like, where are my keys? Oh, where did I put my jewelry? Oh, where did I put my purse? And so a lot of my energy is not wasted on simple things like that. A further example is like, this is another <laughs> one that a lot of you are going to be like, oh, Camille, you're weird. But I am not actually much of a foodie. A lot of my friends are foodies and I love that about them and I enjoy going out to restaurants with them and stuff. But as far as my just day-to-day grind, as far as like what life is like when I'm just at my apartment eating food, like I don't care that much. And I don't really enjoy putting forth a lot of energy to cooking. And so one of the things that I will do, which to me actually creates a lot of kind of almost relief and just kind of relieves a lot of pressure, relieves a lot of energy, relieves a lot of time, is I'll just eat the same thing. I'll eat the same thing 
like every you know night every dinner for like a week or two weeks or sometimes like even a month where like you know without fail oh if Camille's having lunch it's this one thing or when Camille's having dinner it's this one thing and I'm sure that would drive people who enjoy food absolutely bonkers um and so that's why I say obviously (laughs) when you're creating when you're minimizing in some areas of your life make sure it's areas of your life that you have that sort of indifference to or that you're not emotionally invested in and make sure you're maximizing in the areas that you that do bring you a lot of joy so like I said if you're a foodie like (laughs) that particular strategy is not recommended but all of that to say there's all these areas of life where we are just constantly making choices and we don't realize how much that can have an impact on our ability and our energy to make choices in the areas that really matter you know and I have areas in my life that really really matter to me and so I've kind of eliminated a lot of choice in other areas in order to kind of store up and have that tank of energy for the areas that I am passionate about the areas that do matter to me so now that we have discussed passive choices like when it comes to life in general I want to kind of touch on the fact that passive choices also exist in your mindset like just just in your mind period like not not just like how you go about life but how you think there's kind of these default settings and so again these ways these automatic thought processes like they exist for a reason they exist because at some point that's what you were taught at some point you're like that that is what works or that is how the world works right you got it from somewhere and so it's not like it exists without reason but life changes and you grow and your needs change and who you're around changes and you know what's expected from you changes and so some of these kind of automatic mindsets and default settings in your mind that were developed in one circumstance at one age don't transfer very well to who you are now what you need now what's important to you now and so one of the things you know that's really important to recognize is that those automatic mindsets they shape your reality they they play such a huge role in um how you interact with people when you interact with people who you interact with you know they play such a role in how you see things how you absorb things and so um yeah so it's really important to just kind of pay attention pay attention to these automatic things that i think that just are just normal to me and just default to me like is that actually true for who i am now for the world that i'm in now for the culture that i'm in now is that really serving me is that really helping me is that creating efficiency is that creating joy or is it creating problems? Is it creating issues? Is it creating barriers? Is it sucking up my mental energy and not producing fruit? So yeah, that's just some things to think about, you know, and I've heard these types of thoughts, these types of mindsets be described in a lot of different ways. So some of them, some of the words or kind of terms that you'll hear about um, kind of passive, massive mindset is beliefs like just things that your brain is convinced is true, um, promises, uh, contracts that you've made with yourself, assumptions, generalities, biases, 
And one of my favorites is the, well, that's just my personality. Somebody will say something or make a comment or express a belief or whatever, have a particular response. And when you kind of ask them about it, they'll say, well, that's, that's just my personality. And that's kind of indicating to you like something that you hold as a, um, as a passive mindset. And so good or bad, um, these things have a strong impact on your life. And so because of that, one of the best things that you can do for yourself is become more aware of them. Become more aware of what your passive thoughts are, what your passive mindset is, and then, you know, assess, assess it, analyze it, recognize Maybe some of these are really good for me, have no made no problems, made no issues in my life, and maybe some of these are why I'm struggling, are why I am not connecting with people that matter to me, or are why I end up hurting people that matter to me without even realizing that that's what I'm doing. Is like these default settings, sometimes they just don't work anymore because life changes. You change and the people around you change. I wanted to give um, some examples of some kind of good or bad automatic thoughts. And so, um, like I said, these can be contracts that you've made with yourself. These can be generalities that you just kind of assume are true about you, your life, how the world works. This can be biases. This can be a lot of things. Let's see. (laughs) Examples of kind of a good automatic mindset. A good automatic mindset in my life or kind of like a a goofy bias that I can have is like the first one that comes to mind. I don't know why this one comes to mind. So you're welcome to judge me, but I'm just going to be vulnerable with you guys. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, One of the first kind of automatic thoughts that I will have in a social circumstance is that like I get along with gay guys for whatever reason, that's just like, like an assumption in my head that I just kind of naturally get along with gay guys which is absurd because, you know, a person's sexual orientation does not dictate your compatibility. (laughs) And I'm a psychologist. I know this, okay? And so why that belief kind of exists in my head, who knows? Like, I can definitely brainstorm as to why that belief just pops into my head. And there can be, like, a lot of social factors, a lot of past experiences. But if you think kind of, like, like logically if you like step back even though that's a positive one like it's not it's not creating any kind of resentment or bitterness it's not it's not like i think i get along better with gay guys because that's not what it is like it's not like i'm comparing that subset of people to another subset of people that's not what's happening it's just the simple thought of like oh i get along well with gay guys so Anyways, this kind of has an impact on my life, like, in, for example, like, if I were to, you know, I don't know, go to a club or something and just be there, you know, (laughs) Lord forbid, like, by myself, just, like, wandering around, like, more likely than not, I'm gonna gravitate towards somebody who seems like they're in that demographic over somebody 
who isn't because I've, I have this automatic thought process, this automatic mindset of like, oh, I get along with people who are like that. Um, you know, I, I feel more comfortable or, or I feel comfortable around them or, um, I'm not intimidated by them. And so there's kind of all these beliefs that are connected to that thought, that automatic thought that can then kind of color how I interact with people in a given environment where, you know, like I said, if you kind of step back from that, even though that's like putting a certain demographic in a positive light, it's still not necessarily grounded in logic or truth because one trait of a person does not dictate your compatibility with that person. And people are unique and beautiful and wonderful and special and their own person, regardless of any given trait that you may or may not have a positive association with. So, you know, who knows if I was in that environment and I walked up to some random gay dude, he might not like me. He might think I'm really weird. He might want nothing to do with me. And, you know, it's just one of those things, right? Like, it's just kind of absurd that we have those kind of thoughts, but we do. We totally do. That's just one that's easy for me to identify. But if you're being really honest with yourself, like, I'm sure you have your own version of that. Like, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I get better. I get along better with artists or, oh, you know, I, I jive well with people who, you know, like rock music or, you know, and we'll just like have these kind of, you know, albeit positive biases towards, oh, if this person has this trait, then chances are we're going to have a better interaction or we're going to get along. And what that does is that creates biases in both directions. Because as the more you think that, the more likely you are to not treat someone who ha- who doesn't have that trait as equals to someone who does have that trait. So for example, luckily this is one that I don't do, which you can um, very clearly see by my given group of friends. I'm, I'm an artist. And so if I were somebody who thought, oh, well, I get along better with artists. I enjoy being around artists more. They understand me better, right? If I were to like think that way to like ground kind of who I am and what makes me happy, even in social situations, based on that one character trait that I'm an artist, like I would most likely show less patience, show less um, kind of openness, be less receptive, less responsive to people who aren't artists, right? I would think like, oh, like, you know, you don't understand my passion or you don't understand my lifestyle or, you know, you don't love what I love. So we're not, you know, going to have nearly as much to talk about. And you just like make all of these like rapid assumptions based on the fact that you're kind of overvaluing a very particular trait at the expense of the individual, right? Of other traits. And so, you know, it's very easy to do that. And it's a very kind of normal, like, part of being a person to kind of have that, those subconscious biases exist and those kind of automatic thoughts about what you like, what's going to work for you, you know, what kind of people you enjoy, who's going to make you feel comfortable. But 
like I said, they can really get in the way of creating quality relationships with people because you can treat them, you know, either overly favored, overly favored, is that how you say that? Um, where you're like, oh, because uh, they love hiking and they love rock climbing and I love doing those things. You like, you treat them as if they are somehow like more just by having those traits and you're more likely to be more patient with them. You're more likely to show them more attention. You're more likely to be tolerant of things about them that you don't like because you've kind of overvalued the thing that you do like, right? And so it just, it shapes and it forms how you interact with people. And so, you know, it has a big impact on your life, um, you know, and it also kind of goes both ways. It doesn't just go with who you like, who you spend time on, who you are willing to gravitate to, who you're willing to give time of day to, and who you're willing to kind of, you know, make that time to either uh, build a bond or not. It also kind of affects how you think, like, other people see you. Does that make sense? So, like, if you have beliefs like, oh, you know, they're not going to like me because I'm, I don't know, whatever. Like, I'm not athletic enough or I'm not witty enough or I'm not, you know, as academ academically oriented as they are. And you kind of, you see yourself too. Like, you're not just coloring then how you see others. You're also coloring how you see yourself. These kind of automatic thoughts about people will then impact how you interact with them. Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm kind of like losing it a little bit here, losing my train of thought. But basically, the impact goes both ways is what I'm trying to deliver to you is that when you have an automatic thought, no matter what it is, like it's going to impact your perspective both directions, both how you see people and how you think other people see you. Um, yeah, I'm just going to end it there. So what do we get from all of this? Um, basically automatic thoughts, they're normal. They're totally natural, automatic kind of behaviors. Again, normal, totally natural. But as a human being, as an adult, as somebody who wants to live a good life and who wants to kind of reclaim their joy and be responsible for you know, the fruit of their labor, it's important to, just because it's normal and natural and all these things, to kind of step back and say, okay, is this really working for me? Is this really allowing me to love people to the fullest? Is this really giving me the life that I want? That's, that's a priority to me. And then if the answer is no to those questions, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to minimize the you know, unimportant choices, the complexity of my choices in order to maximize the areas of my life that really are going to bring me joy. And same thing with mindset. How am I going to hold myself accountable for things that I automatically think that aren't necessarily grounded in truth? They're more just grounded in what I was taught by someone else or what was working in a past culture and a past environment or, you know, other things like that. Like, how am I going to then kind of retake the reins, retake the control of my own mind and say, okay, you know, thinking this automatic thing, kind of regardless of where I originally got it from, 
Maybe it's not applicable anymore. Maybe it's not relevant to the circumstance I'm in now. And maybe it's what is kind of creating the barriers and the separation between people, me and people that I want to develop a stronger or better relationship with. Um, And that includes God, right? That includes what you automatically think about him and his role in your life and your identity in him. And that's like a whole, whole nother episode of, um, you know, I kind of want to talk about in the next episode, both, well, in future episodes, because it might end up being, it, it, it will end up being two episodes, active choices. So now that we've kind of covered the bases on passive choices, I want to talk about, okay, what, what does it mean to make an active choice? What does that look like? How do I organize those? How do I not get overwhelmed? You know, kind of all the stuff about about that, um, about kind of active taking, taking control, uh, creating healthy habits, you know, all this stuff. And then I also am considering doing a whole, um, part three on how this all fits under the umbrella of faith, how God plays, uh, such a huge and fundamental role in this, how your view of him, your view of his role in conjunction to your role, you know, just kind of how, all of that, how, how your relationship with God, um, and your ability to choose are deeply intermixed. Um, so I want to talk about those in future episodes. I think that this episode is already long enough, so we'll just consider it part one. And yeah, I just want to help you. I just want to help you make it so that the choices you're making in your life are less stressful or that, you know, wherever the stress is, that it's worth it, that it's worth it, it's worth the energy, it's worth the cost, it's worth the time. Um, And I just want to help you continue to build your life into something that you're really going to enjoy, something you're going to be really happy with, and something that is just going to work for you. Make your mind work for you. Make your life work for you. That's what this is all about. Tailoring remaking, reforming all this incredible stuff that you've been given and the incredible person that you are to really just have joy, have joy, um, and have peace in your life, in your heart and in your mind. So that's all for today. Uh, stay tuned for part two, where we are going to talk about the mechanics of active choice. And this is the Remaking Your Mind podcast. I'm Camille, your host, and thank you for listening.